بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل لقدة من لساني يفقه قولي الحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين all praises belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We praise Him and we seek His assistance and guidance and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the adverse consequences of our deeds. Whomsoever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomsoever Allah misguides, none can guide. And peace and salutations be upon our beloved teacher and messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his messenger. My dearest brothers and sisters in Islam, Salamullahi alaykum wa rahmatuhu wa barakatuh. May the peace and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be upon you all. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for gathering us in a house from his houses to recite the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and collectively learn from it. In the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu an, in Sahih Muslim, he says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَجْتَمَعَ قَوْمٌ فِي بَيْتٍ مِنْ بُيُوتِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى يَتْلُونَ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَيَتَدَارَسُونَهُ فِيمَا بَيْنَهُمْ إِلَّا نَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّكِينَةِ وَغَشِيَتْهُمُ الرَّحْمَةِ وَحَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ our sitting and the fact that it is uh, a public holiday with a lot of sales on offer and um, you could have been out there in the city being part of um, the events of the day but you've chosen to spend these few hours in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala learning the Quran. He says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that there's no group of people that come together in a house from the houses of Allah to recite the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and collectively study it and its lessons. There's no group that does this except that Allah blesses them with four blessings. Right? And these are our blessings today inshaAllah. We have good hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first blessing is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes contentment to descend upon the gathering. And... He causes the gathering to be surrounded by angels. There's angels that Allah has created to roam the earth. They are known as As-Sayyahun. As we know in another narration. They roam the earth looking for majalis al-dhikr. For the sittings such as these. Where the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is done. His book is studied. The lessons of his book are shared. And when they find these gatherings... They surround the gathering. This is a gathering surrounded by malaika. And we know this because the most truthful one, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, told us this. And he was taught by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third blessing, وَغَشِيَتْهُمُ الرَّحْمَةِ Allah causes the people of this gathering to be immersed, uh, to be immersed in His mercy. This is our reality. Our dua in this gathering is a dua done whilst immersed in the mercy of Allah. 
So if we speak about Jannah in this gathering, ask Allah to grant you Jannah. If we speak about the hellfire in this gathering, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala His protection from the hellfire. For you would be making this dua whilst being engulfed in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's no words we can use to explain the reality of a person engulfed in the mercy of Allah. If you ask Allah for health in this gathering, it's an asking like no other. And based on this reality, you can apply every other dua and every other example. وَغَشِيَتْهُمُ rahmah. Allah causes them to be immersed. And these words are not words that were said by mistake. The Prophet ﷺ chose his words appropriately because he was most diligent when it came to teaching us about the sharia. Allah wouldn't teach him and then he would teach us with a lack of diligence with Iyadu Billah. If he used the term, he was very careful. It was because the term denotes the reality. He didn't say the mercy of Allah applies to this group. He said they are immersed in it. They are engulfed in it. They are drowning in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah. We always look for these signs, right? Is Allah pleased with us? If I were to see the angel of death today, what would my plight be? These are signs. You being here, engulfed in the mercy of Allah, is a sign of your place with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The, the, the pious before us used to say, إِذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِكَ خَيْرًا يُهَيِّئْ لَكَ الْأَسْبَابِ That if Allah wants goodness for you, He opens the means for you and inspires you to be a part of it. He facilitates you being a part of it. That's a sign that Allah wants good for you. So ensure that you thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because on this day, He's given you a sign that He wants good for you. He wants to build you a jannah. So He's paved for you the means and made it easy for you to be a part of it. So you get the rewards that through it you will get the jannah that Allah wants for you. And then, gift number four, He says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَهُ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises the people of this gathering. He praises them to his malaika, to the closest angels to Allah. He speaks highly of the people of this gathering. He's proud of the people of this gathering. Remember the angel said to Allah, when Allah created Adam, are you going to place on earth those who sow corruption and spill blood? And Allah says, what did Allah say to them? Indeed, I know what you know not. And the angels weren't being disrespectful. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they knew the plight of those on earth before. And the reality of earth before Adam. So Allah praises the people of this gathering. That the people of this gathering were in the knowledge of Allah that the angels didn't know about. When the angels said what they said and Allah responded with his response. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah praises us and we have to really appreciate this. That the Lord of the world, the king of kings, is singling us out for special praise right now. To the closest angels to Allah. And we know that Allah has angels that were only created to prostrate from the beginning of time till the end of time. They are in sujood. 
the most beloved act to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is praising us to them. Wallahi, what an honor. What an honor. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to bless us. Ameen. So, this is a special gathering and these are the rewards of this gathering. We also thank uh, Masjid Humaira and its organizers for uh, pursuing this opportunity on this day, no doubt. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used this masjid and its team as a means for all of us. So we thank them and we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts from them and increases for them. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. We also ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this a gathering that is forgiven upon its departure. And a gathering that hears a good word and follows it, is able to implement the good that it hears. Because no doubt, when we hear a lesson, then that lesson is either evidence for us or evidence against us. We don't have the excuse in front of Allah on the day of Qiyamah that we didn't know. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq and guidance to practice upon everything that has been said. Ameen. And um, last but not least, brothers and sisters in Islam, a reminder to ikhlas. Ensure that you renew your intentions and make this sitting solely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure alone. The topic today is Surah Al-Rahman and even though we sort of feel it's a short surah, especially since Allah repeats one ayah 31 times. So it really uh, reduces the count of the ayat of the surah. Uh, but nonetheless, as with every ayah in the Quran, it is a, a short surah, but a long surah. It is a concise surah, but it's complex in its simplicity. There's so much going on in it. And it's not strange because these are the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know that no one from mankind has managed to produce even an ayah from the ayat of the Qur'an despite the Qur'an's challenge since more than 1400 years ago. The Qur'an is the timeless miracle. And it is the book of salvation until the day of Qiyamah. It will last till the day of Qiyamah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before the day of Qiyamah will lift it off the pages of the masahif and the hearts of the believers. Subhanallah. May Allah save us from seeing that day. And in the same breath, may Allah preserve us in His obedience. We know death is the most difficult thing for us. Nobody wants to die and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows this and teaches us this in a hadith Qudsi. That He knows that the most disliked thing to his slave is death. But wallahi, who would want to live at a time when you couldn't recite the Qur'an? And you couldn't find any mention of it. And you couldn't find anyone who's memorized it. Who would want to live then? Allahul Musta'an. So the Qur'an is the timeless miracle. So even though Surah Al-Rahman is short in number and then we feel it may be shorter because of an ayah repeated 31 times. I repeat, it's complex in its simplicity and we will see this as we traverse through it. It will actually make us appreciate the Qur'an and the instruction of Allah uh, in an even greater way. Uh, especially the part that talks about balance and how Allah has set the balance and how balanced the surah is. Because you'll see that the surah is filled with complete opposites. Everything that Allah lists, He lists in pairs. When he speaks about matters of the land, he complements it by speaking about matters of the heavens. When he speaks about 
the believers, we have a discussion about its opposite, the disbelievers, or their opposite, the disbelievers. And even when he talks about matters on earth, when he speaks about land, then we have, an, we have the discussion about the waters and the seas of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When Allah tells us about the blessings on earth, He tells us about uh, what we find as blessings because of water and the sea. We'll see this as we go along. There's immense balance uh, in this surah, which makes us appreciate the Qur'an even more. And in this duality that uh, is a theme or is a base in terms of the instruction of Surah Al-Rahman, uh, we find the tawheed and oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because no two can come except from one. So it's just, <laughs> even though uh, it's, we, it's short, it's complex in its simplicity. Now the name of the surah, as we have said, is Surah Al-Rahman. And it is the only surah in the Qur'an that opens with a name from the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know some surahs open with disjointed letters. We have surahs that open praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this surah is the only surah that opens with a name from the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And not just any name, but a mighty name. And we know that there are certain names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that cannot be shared. Meaning you can't have anyone from his creation having the same name such as Allah such as Rabb. And from these names is Ar-Rahman. No one can have this name, except if you add a prefix to the name such as Abd or Amma, the servant of Allah, the male servant of Allah, or the female servant of Ar-Rahman. The male servant of Ar-Rahman, or the female servant of Ar-Rahman. Because the meaning of Ar-Rahman is only specific to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's nothing in creation that can possess this type of mercy. And we'll discuss it with Allah ta'ala. This particular surah, in terms of the famous view of the scholars of tafsir, is a Makki surah. When I say Makki surah, I mean it was revealed before the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa migrated to Medina. And this is an important discussion in the sciences of the Qur'an, because it further emphasizes for us the beautiful nature of the Qur'an and its amazing instruction. Because the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before hijrah was unique. And the revelation after hijrah was unique. And it had to be so because the situations of those receiving the Qur'an before hijrah and after hijrah was also unique. Before hijrah, the Muslims were a minority. After Hijrah, they had a Muslim land. They were the majority. Any other denomination was a minority. And the period before Hijrah lasted 13 years. The period after Hijrah lasted 10. And during the period before Hijrah, the Qur'an focused on the most important instruction for the human being. Thus, we don't find the Qur'an making many things haram during the Meccan period. Rather, it focused on building the heart, the mind, the soul, the nafs, the body to accept the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the future. Thus, it focused on tawheed and belief in one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For there's no need to discuss halal and haram when the person doesn't even believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the first place. Then, it focused on belief in the hereafter. 
Because the Quraysh denied the hereafter. If you don't believe in being taken into account or taken to account later on, then you don't have a reason to comply right now. So the Quran established this reality. Also, the Quran in the Meccan period focused on good character. It's filled with good character. Being good to your parents was a very early instruction. Right? Because it's from the best of character. Because if you have bad character, then people will think that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came with a religion to make people behave badly. The Quran came to develop and uplift people's characters. And in fact, the Prophet sallallahu said that I have not been sent except to perfect, to perfect character. So the Quran focused on these three themes before the Prophet sallallahu migrated to Medina. And this is why this is the famous view of the scholars of Tafsir, that Surah Al-Rahman is a Makki uh, surah because if you look at the theme of the surah, it doesn't have halal and haram in it and, and, and long ayat, which is also a common norm with Madani ayat. After Hijrah, the ayat became longer. Look at Surah Al-Baqarah and, and uh, uh, Surah Al-Nisa and so on and so forth. You find longer ayat. But if you look at the surahs before Hijrah, then the general reality is that they are short. In uh, they, they are shorter than uh, the ayat after hijrah. So this is another evidence that they use. And the greatest evidence that they use is the hadith of Urwah ibn Zubair. And in it he explains that the first person to have recited the Quran openly after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an. And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was the faqih of Iraq after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed away. And uh, even the Hanafi madhab um, has a relationship with Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. For its fiqh goes to the fiqh of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud that went through the fiqh of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and Ali radiallahu an, they were from the prominent sahaba that went to settle in Iraq after the Islamic Caliphate moved from Medina to Iraq. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was a scholar of the Quran as well. And he was the famous sahabi who said, that there's no ayah that has been revealed except I know where it was revealed and its reason of revelation. And if there was an ayah in which I didn't know this information and I found someone who knew it, I would prepare my animal just to get that knowledge. Meaning I would go on a journey even if it took months just to get that information. So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu he openly recited Surah Al-Rahman when? When? The Sahaba said that the Quraysh have not heard the Quran. They've not heard it because we, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was teaching it privately, right? We know of Dar al-Arqam, Ibn Abi Arqam. This was the first madrasa. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would gather in uh, this particular home and he would teach the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum ajma'in and they would worship Allah subhanahu wa taala from the revelation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at that time. So the instruction, so the idea was, look, they have not heard the Qur'an. Perhaps if they hear the Qur'an then, uh, and it being uh, recited aloud, they, from the Quraysh are those that are very literate, uh, they have prowess with the Arabic language, they will appreciate its eloquence and its instruction, and it will be a means of helping the situation that we are in. But then the dilemma was who should recite the Qur'an? Who should go and take on this task? The Sahaba preferred someone 
other than Abdullah ibn Mas'ud because uh, Abdullah ibn, uh, basically at that time obviously we know it was a time of tribal presence so if you came from a tribe that was respected and powerful then the other tribes would think twice or thrice before laying harm on you why because there would be repercussions with an entire tribe irrespective of the individual differences right so even in their jahiliya and in their ignorance they had this unity Right? That even though we disagree with Fulan, we disagree with the person, but if someone were to harm him, we'd all stand up. Why? Because if we let that injustice go, we've basically opened the whole tribe towards destruction. And that's how disunity starts. Right? That, that, that's how it starts. I mean, that's how weakness begins. When you allow one, then that's a license for uh, other groups to realize that we can start picking out others. So they preferred that someone from a more respected and powerful tribe go and recite the Qur'an openly to avert harm. But Ibn Mas'ud, subhanAllah, this is Iman, right? We would probably say today it's a bit of blind Iman. He was um, determined, he says, no, I will go do it. And thus he stood by the maqam and he recited Surah Rahman. So this is evidence that, the, that Surah Rahman is a Makki Surah. This is the greatest evidence here. And... Then the Quraysh inquired about this eloquence that they were hearing. Because their Darul Nadwa, their place was near, the Kaaba was near, the Haram. So they, were, they heard this eloquence and they inquired about it. Until they were informed and to their shock that this was actually Quran that was being recited. This is from the words that were revealed to Muhammad wasallam. And this is what happens when you have arrogance and ignorance, Right? You stop appreciating a reality that you actually were appreciating before your bias set in. Right? And you forget about the good and human nature takes over and you act accordingly based on your misguidance. So what did they do? They came out and they beat Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu until the effects of his beating were seen on his face. And no doubt this incident happened before the migration of the Muslims too. Uh, uh, to Medina and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best some of the scholars say that also from the evidences that this is a Makki surah is that the surah comes after surah al-qamar now there's a difference of opinion uh, between uh, the scholars in terms of the surahs in the Quran who put who put them together right who who put the tartib who put who orderized them in the way that we uh, find them today was it done uh, at the time uh, when, when, when the Mus'haf was compiled or was this based on instruction from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala knows best the scholars all agree that the, the, the order of the words are from Allah this is a, a point of, of uh, ijma' and consensus they also all agree that the sentences in the Quran have been placed in order by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala this is a point of cons- uh, consensus and ijma' Amongst the scholars, because we have the hadith of Uthman radiallahu anhu, in which he says that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would receive revelation and then instruct us, put this ayah in this position in this surah, right? But in terms of the surahs in the Quran, starting with Fatiha and ending with An-Nas, this is a discussion between the scholars. But wallahi, when you look at the relationship, tanasub as-surah, and this is a science in ulum al-Quran, right? The the suitability of Surahs before surahs and after surahs. The relationship with regards to a surah and a surah before it and after it. And the amazing lessons that you just take from the presence of a surah existing in the position that it's in. It really 
makes you feel that indeed even the order of the surahs in the Quran, this instruction was left behind by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this is another piece of evidence to prove that it was a Meccan surah that some of the scholars use. They say that this surah comes after Surah Al-Qamar. And Surah Al-Qamar uh, mentions uh, generalities. And in Surah Al-Rahman we see some specifics. So there's a, it, Surah Al-Rahman complements the surah before it. And we all know that Surah Al-Qamar is a Makki surah. So Surah Al-Rahman must be a Makki surah as well. This is not a strong, uh, this is not a, a strong piece of evidence, but it's complementary evidence. Why isn't it strong? Because it's possible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reveal ayat which explain ayat in another uh, surah after some time, even after years. This is possible, right? It is possible. Because the, the, the general rule in the Sharia is يجوز تأخير البيان إلى وقت الحاجة. This is a principle in Usul al-Fiqh. That it is permissible to delay explaining something until the time when people need to know it. Right? This is a discussion the scholars of Usul al-Fiqh have. That is it, is it possible for the Sharia to delay instruction that is required? Or does the Sharia immediately... Reveal the instruction. And the scholars say it's, perm- it's, it's permissible for the sharia to delay instruction until the time when it's required. doesn't have to be immediate. So for example, Allah could command you to pray. But until the time when it's time to pray, doesn't ha- Allah doesn't have to teach you how. Right? But when it's due for you to pray, then the sharia would indeed teach you how. Right? Because if it didn't, then this would entail a difficulty being placed upon the ummah that is beyond the ummah's ability. And this is not from the norm of the sharia, right? This is not from the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's why the scholars say this argument is, uh, it's not a primary argument because it's possible for Allah to, re- to reveal Surah Al-Qamar at a time and then share the specifics at a later time, even after hijrah. But I think the evidences that we've shared uh, suffices that this is a Makkan surah and that's why the majority of the scholars approve so. Now, just a quick da'wah lesson or a, a practical lesson that we can take from this discussion is that the Qur'an is a guidance for mankind. And from the methods of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when inviting towards Allah is to invite through mentioning Allah's blessings upon us. Because if Ibn Mas'ud went, when, when the Sahaba said that, look, the Quraysh haven't heard the Qur'an. And then Ibn Mas'ud went to recite the Qur'an and he was instructed or he decided Allah knows best. We don't know if he took the instruction from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or this was the guidance that Allah gave him. He decided to recite from Surah Al-Rahman. Then this teaches you that this is a method of da'wah. That sometimes you bring people closer to their Lord by teaching them the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them. Before telling them that Allah is one who worship him, you tell, you remind them of the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has given them. And from the greatest blessings is that Allah is Ar-Rahman. And this is the opening of the surah. And as we, as we know from the surah or we will learn from the surah, as soon as the surah opens, Allah mentions bounty after bounty after bounty after bounty after bounty before Allah mentions uh, which of the favors of your Lord do you deny? So this is a surah of favors. So this is a tip that we can take from this reason or from this um, uh, evidence that we shared, the evidence of Ibn Mas'ud uh, an, in proving that uh, this is a Meccan surah. Um, and this is 
a wise da'wah tip. Why? Because when you remind people of the blessings that someone has done for them, then naturally they end up loving that person more. And when they love that person more, it's human nature that you want to do things that please that person. That's how life is, right? If someone came to you and said, you know, all these, I think all this help that you got, so and so helped you. You didn't know be- before that, that he was the one. So you had no inclination or feelings towards that person. But the moment someone made it clear to you that, you know, you were in this difficulty and this happened and this happened, you know who sorted it out for you? So and so. Immediately you feel a love for that person. You want to thank that person. If that person, even if you didn't thank that person and that person didn't know, know that you now know and he called you and asked you for help, you would jump and immediately want to help. Right? It's human nature. Because now you have a natural love for that person. And that motivates you. It motivates your paradigms. It shifts your paradigms with regards to them. So when we learn about Allah's blessings upon us, naturally we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when we love, the more we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then naturally the more we want to act. And do that which pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright? And obviously examples with our Lord are far beyond examples uh, with regards to other human beings. But this is just an example to bring the idea closer to our hearts and minds. This particular surah is in the 27th juz in the Qur'an and it's the 55th surah of the Qur'an. And it has 78 ayat and in some uh, qira'at it has 76 ayat. Alright, this is not a, uh, a, a matter uh, to cause confusion in terms of uh, the finality of the Qur'an, in terms of it being the untouched word, in terms of it being uh, the final revelation that's protected until the day of Qiyamah. This is a matter of um, a science known as uh, the counting of the ayat of the Quran. Okay, so uh, the ayat are seventy-eight, but some have cited seventy-six. But the words and uh, sentences, or the ayat in and of itself, the meanings, the lessons are all the same, whether we say seventy-six or seventy-eight. It's just an issue of should we stop here or shouldn't we stop here? Right? Should we list this as an ayah here or shouldn't it be listed as an ayah here? Are these two ayah joined together? Or uh, are they separate? Similar to the discussion in Surah Al-Fatiha. We know that it's, it's seven ayat. Some include Bismillah as an ayah, which means they reduce an ayah from the heart of the surah. And some say, no, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen is ayah number one, excluding Bismillah Rahman Rahim. So then you find that uh, the, the, the portion that group one left out in terms of counting it as an ayah, group two counts it as an ayah. But when, they bo- when both groups recite Surah Al-Fatiha, it sounds exactly uh, it comes across exactly the same. Is that clear, brothers and sisters in Islam? I don't know about the sisters. If we, if, if there's any queries, inshallah, uh, you can send down uh, your questions. Okay, we spoke about tanasub al-surah, relationships between surahs. And we said that Surah Al-Qamar is the surah before Surah Al-Rahman. Now, Surah Al-Qamar is known to mention important matters as all the surahs do. But we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Qamar, I mean for anyone who, uh, sometimes when I read Surah Al-Qamar, I think subhanAllah, alhamdulillah for Islam and Iman. Wallahi. If you, if you were on the other side, reading Surah Al-Qamar, Allahul Musta'an. Because Allah, you know, eloquently, powerfully, describes how He tore nations that disbelieved apart previously. Right? Before the barakah of Ibrahim alayhi salam, no doubt, because we know from the barakah of Ibrahim alayhi salam is Allah lift mass punishment off the face of this earth. No people were punished in their entirety after Ibrahim alayhi salam. The last group was the people of Lut. 
And that was during his time. Ibrahim was an entire ummah. The scholars say from his barakah, Allah lifted mass punishment off the face of this earth. The Surah Al-Qamar, it teaches us eloquently how Allah tore these nations apart. Wallahi, if you weren't a believer you, and reciting it, there's no other emotion that could uh, become manifestly present in you besides the emotion of fear. Right? Uh, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as He describes these matters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes them generally. Uh, he doesn't mention specifics. He talks about nations and how they were destroyed. He, uh, but in Surah Al-Rahman, we see specifics with regards to the disbelievers. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, mentions some of the beliefs that they have, such as their beliefs on the day of... Firstly, they don't believe in the day of Qiyamah. Allah tells us some things pertaining to that. Then Allah goes into the specifics of Jannah. Surah Al-Qamar, Allah just tells us at the end of Surah Al-Qamar about the believers and they will have a, a place close to their Lord. Surah Al-Rahman, we have the specifics of Jannah. In fact, it's very specific. Allah tells us about uh, two Jannahs and then tells us about the upper class Jannah. And uh, We don't want to say lower class because all Jannah is amazing. But Allah says, Allah, maybe we can say first class and business class huh? because it's all good but there's differences so Allah tells us about those who do more the Jannah they will have and then Allah tells us about the Jannah that will go to those who did less there's so much specifics mentioned right? Allah gives us some specifics about the actual day of Qiyamah and how people will be thrown into the hellfire right? they will be grabbed by their forelocks and by their, by their feet and thrown into the hellfire They'll have nothing to grab on to. There's, there's um, uh, more detailed descriptions offered to us in Surah Al-Rahman. Also, um, um, <clears throat> in Surah Al-Qamar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He ends off Surah Al-Qamar by mentioning some of His names. Inda Maliki Muqtadir. Malik means the owner and master. And Muqtadir means the determiner. Right? Allah says, Fi maqadi sidq. They will, the, the believers, they will be in a maqadi sidq. Maqadi sidq refers to uh, a, 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 a station of, uh, the station of the stations of those who believed. Those who were truthful. And respected the truth and adopted the truth. And Allah says that that maqadi sidq is inda, is near uh, maliki muqtadir. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is malik, the owner and the determiner. So it ends with these names of Allah. And then Surah Al-Rahman begins with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is answering a question that the people might ask when they say, who is Maliki Muqtadir? Right? When the, when the Quraysh or the disbelievers hear this, this, this last ayah, that indeed those who believe, if you believe, you'll have a truthful station with your uh, Lord who is Malik Muqtadir. So the next question is, who is he? Ar-Rahman, he is Ar-Rahman. Allam al-Qur'an, taught you the Qur'an. Khalaq al-Insan, he created you. Allamahu al-Bayan, he taught you speech. Right? So it's as if Surah Al-Rahman is an answer to the ending of Surah Al-Qamar. And that's why I say, you see these relationships are amazing between the Surah in terms of how they are positioned. Right? Uh, and also it brings hope that Allah, the, word, the name of Allah is Ar-Rahman. To teach the disbelievers that you still have a chance as long as you're breathing. 
Don't lose hope in the mercy of Allah. The Maliki Muqtadir that we're talking about here is Ar-Rahman. He will forgive you. Take the step. Take the jump. It's an amazing relationship. Right? Between the ending of Surah Al-Qamar and the beginning of Surah Al-Rahman. Now, very quickly, what are the objectives of Surah Al-Rahman? It's important we discuss the objectives because if we understand the objectives, then we appreciate uh, the several meanings that uh, you will read when we go through Surah Al-Rahman. I've detailed some for you from my reading of uh, the Surah. Number one, it has the objectives of, uh, of the Makkan Surahs as we uh, described. Tawheed, the establishment of Tawheed, establishment of uh, belief in the hereafter, establishment of good character. Because it's bad character to deny someone's blessings. And it's great character to, to acknowledge someone's blessings, right? And the greatest way of acknowledging Allah's blessings upon you is to believe in Allah. That's the greatest character. So we said Makkan Surahs focus on three focal points. Tawheed, belief in the hereafter, as well as good character. Included in this is legitimizing the reality of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That he is sent by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and you should follow him. This is from the objectives of the Surah. Also from the objectives of the Surah is the establishment of justice and leaving oppression. The greatest of which is shirk. Polytheism. إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَظُلْمٌ عَظِيمٌ As Luqman alayhi salam said to his son, that indeed shirk and polytheism is a grave oppression. From the objectives of the surah, <coughs> is to establish an understanding of the meaning of the name of Allah ar-Rahman. From the objectives of the surah, <coughs> is to... Encourage people to believe in the hereafter by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describing Jannah. Describing Jahannam. And let me, let, me re- let, let me reword that. From the objectives of the surah is to aid belief. To aid belief. Why? Because belief might make you feel that life will become harder if you believe. You govern now. Right? You believe in Allah, you can't live how you want, when you want, why you want. But we know that reward is proportionate to effort. And it's the reward that motivates you to engage with an effort. So when Allah goes into the details of Jannah and details the punishment, it makes you appreciate the reward factor. That if I do this, right, I will save myself from a, from a severe punishment and I will gain for myself a reward that no eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard, no heart has ever dreamt of. Why? Right now when the reward is, is, is worthy, you feel brave enough to engage the effort. Right? It's like if I told you, can you walk to the other end of London for a tenner? For ten pounds? Say, no ways. Forget that. Say, a hundred? Nah, not a hundred. Ten thousand pounds? Maybe, huh? Maybe. If I said 10,000 pounds, walk to Birmingham, we say, no ways. You have to up the reward. The greater the reward, the more I'm willing to act. Right? So Surah Al-Rahman assists us in acting. It sets down the reward. So now you're motivated to act. That yes, it's going to be difficult. I know it's going to be difficult, but hey, the reward is worth it. I will believe and I will comply. And think about it. What makes Sahaba who yesterday were, were, were worshipping idols... Put their life on the line when the call 
to go out comes. To defend the Prophet ﷺ with their lives and their families. Right? When the, when the Pledge of Allegiance was given before the Prophet ﷺ went to Medina and uh, the meeting happened uh, with those few Muslims from Medina and the Prophet's uncle is present with the Prophet and he speaks and he says, Oh Ansar, meaning oh the people of Medina, you got to understand what you're putting yourself into. We protected our nephew, we protected him, our nephew. We've protected him. You have to realize what you're doing if you take him. You're putting your lives in danger. You're putting the lives of your wives in danger. You're putting the, li- the, the, the lives of your children in danger. You're putting your homes in danger. You're putting your wealth in danger. Understand what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> That's how it is. But if the reward is worth it, then it's all worth it. And this is what made these Sahaba, subhanAllah, they understood Jannah. They understood Jannah. And they believed accordingly. And sometimes I feel maybe this is our issue. We just don't understand Jannah well enough. We're always passive. We always have to think about it. Right? It's always our case, right? Someone says, donate. We're thinking. Maybe we haven't understood. We haven't understood Jannah well. Someone says, act. We need to do this project. We haven't understood Jannah well. We delayed. But when it comes to a matter of the dunya, we act immediately. Why? Because we've understood the dunya well. We know uh, what benefit comes to us if we do this now. And we have to, we have to recalibrate our paradigms, uh, brothers and sisters in Islam. Right? Allah says, يَعْلَمُونَ ظَاهِرًا مِنَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا When Allah talks about the disbelievers, that they know everything about the reality of the dunya. And when it comes to the akhirah, they're in ignorance and they're heedless about it. That's what causes them to delay when it comes to Allah wa qala rasul what Allah said and what the Rasul said. But the reality of a believer, as Allah says, وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا It is not for a believing man and a believing woman that when the command of Allah comes, they believe that they have a choice in the matter. They have time with the matter. Right? So our issue really is we haven't really lived Jannah in our hearts and minds like the Sahaba did. And that's when the Prophet would tell the Sahaba, who wants to buy this in Jannah? They would stand up. What do we need to do, Ya Rasulullah? Uthman ibn Affan goes and buys the well of, of Ru'mah immediately. He buys the Jannah by purchasing that well. He prepares an entire army for the Prophet to buy Jannah. This is what it was. That is cheap. No matter what it costs, this is cheap. I'm getting Jannah for this. When the Prophet says, who wants to purchase Jannah by equip, by preparing this army, by funding this army? And Uthman stands, I'll do it myself. Radiallahu They understood Jannah. May Allah grant us the understanding. I mean, also from the objectives of the surah is to believe in matters of the unseen. Qiyamah, the reality of Wahi, Jannah, Jahannam, belief in Qadr. Belief in Qadr. Because indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the muqtadir. He's the determiner. We spoke about the attachment of the surah to the surah before it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, knows best. 
from the objectives, no doubt, is to acknowledge Allah's favors upon us and to make us from the shakirin. Allah says, لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ If you are grateful, I will increase for you. Increased gratefulness cannot happen if you don't recognize the gift. How many of us prostrate sujood shukr because we Muslims? When last did we do that? Have we recognized Islam as a gift? Have we recognized Iman as a gift? And that's why I started off this discussion highlighting the reality of this gathering to know that you have been gifted today. And that's why I said thank Allah for it. Because many of us attend these gatherings not realizing that this is Allah giving us a sign that Allah wants goodness for us and is happy for us. Thank Allah. This is a gift from Ar-Rahman. We see our children. How many times do we thank? Do we do sujood shukr for the children that we have? For the health that they have? For the guidance that they are upon? We're so caught up in the hustle and bustle of life. We forget to thank. So Allah brings us Ar-Rahman. And 31 times He says, Which of the favors of your Lord do you deny? Do you lack an ability to be grateful for? Have you become, have you fallen into oblivion with regards to, you have all this, but you don't recognize it as a blessing. This is a normal, this is, especially in this day and age, given how quick life is moving and how barakah is, is being reduced in the time and our money. We, we're working harder and we still have less, right? We have so much technology, we have reminders, we have uh, IT systems, we have artificial intelligence, but we still, subhanallah, we feel that there's no time. So much help, but we're still doing less. Barakah is, is gone. Even from money, we're probably working harder, double shifting, triple shifting, investments here, investments there. But we're struggling still to, to save. Barakah is gone from wealth. These are the times when you have to thank Allah more. And this is investment, you know. We talk about Islamic investment. People always talk about the asset and it should be halal and, and, and. Yes, that's all true. But what about thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What about saying bismillah before the investment? What about, what about giving sadaqah a portion from these are all, this is all investment from another perspective. This is injecting into your wealth barakah, which no action on earth can bring to your wealth. But we'll leave that for another discussion inshallah. Tayyip, there's other objectives, but inshallah we've got uh, the crux of them. It's appropriate, subhanAllah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ends the surah by saying, Blessed be the name of your Lord, the Almighty, the Glorious. When he starts the surah with Ar-Rahman, the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we see the relationship between the ending as well as the beginning. Tayyib, Ar-Rahman. Ar-Rahman is commonly translated as the, benef- the, the beneficent, right? Allah is the beneficent. But also, a good translation would be the entirely merciful. Because Ar-Rahman refers to the one who has a mercy that encompasses everything in its entirety, irrespective of their reality. Whether they believe or disbelieve, whether they're young or old, irrespective of their background, their language, their culture. Allah has a mercy that encompasses everything He has created. Nothing escapes this mercy. He is Ar-Rahman. But the scholars say that with regards to the disbelievers, then Ar-Rahman applies to them before death. After death, it stops applying to them. 
But the mercy of Allah continues, but with the name of Allah, Ar-Rahim. Because Ar-Rahim refers to a specific mercy from the mercy of Ar-Rahman that is only for the believers. So the believers enjoy a mercy from Allah, from Ar-Rahman, and from Ar-Rahim. And this is the nuanced difference between the meanings of the two names of Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. That perhaps we can say Ar-Rahman refers to the entirely merciful, and Rahim refers to the especially merciful. And we said earlier, how Allah teaches us that Maliki Muqtadir, He is Ar-Rahman. Teaching the Quraysh, that despite your enmity to the Messenger and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, know and understand that as long as you're breathing, nothing you do prevents the mercy of Allah reaching you. If you step up and say the shahada and accept, you will find that which pleases you with your Lord. And it's from the mercy of Ar-Rahman that Al-Islamu yajubbu ma qabla. That Islam cancels out and abrogates all your actions before Islam. This is from the mercy of Ar-Rahman. And this way of teaching us about Allah exists also in another surah in the Quran. And that's the greatest surah in the Quran, Surah Al-Fatiha. Because in Surah Al-Fatiha, Allah teaches us that Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, the specific type of praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Lord of the worlds. So when a person asks, who is the Lord of the worlds? Allah says, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Allah introduces himself to his creation with this name Ar-Rahman. And I've been working with new Muslims for a long time now, uh, for, since 2013, more closely. And many of them, when they speak about uh, their, their journey towards guidance, and they opened the Qur'an, and they read uh, Surah Al-Fatiha, the standout point is, the first thing they learned about their Lord is that He's the entirely merciful. And this had an impact on them. So this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala introduces us to him. And we learn from this never ever to lose hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That even though Surah Al-Qamar is mentioned with all these punishments, and you fear, and you beg Allah to die upon guidance, to die as a believer, because you don't want to fall under the instructions of Surah Al-Qamar, or that mentioned in Surah Al-Qamar, Allah balances it, balances it out. And we spoke about balance in Surah Al-Rahman. It balances the discussion. Allah teaches you that He is Al-Rahman. And that's the middle way, brothers and sisters in Islam, that a believer sits between Al-Khawf Al-Raja, fear of Allah's punishment and hope in Allah's mercy. And this keeps you guided. We also learn from this, that those who perish, they deserve to be perished. Those who perish... They deserve to be perished. How do we learn this? Because he is Ar-Rahman. The one who punishes them, subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is Ar-Rahman. Which means they only got punished because they deserve to. Because Allah is just. That he's given every opportunity for you to save yourself. And wallahi, sometimes when you read the Quran, you do get overwhelmed with the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you actually think to yourself that subhanallah, no matter what I do, as long as I die upon Islam, Insha'Allah, I will get to Jannah. Allah is so merciful. And we know that Allah has 99 parts of mercy. For the day that He will be the angriest, the day of Qiyamah. We know when the, when the people go to the different Anbiya alayhim to seek intercession. 
uh, for them to go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of them will refuse besides Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And one common statement that they will say is in that today our Lord is he, he's become angry. He's so angry. He's never been angry like this before and he will never be angry like this after. This is what they will say. And even Ibrahim alayhi salam, the father of the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam, the Khalil of Ar-Rahman, the, the, the one who is close to Allah, the one who Allah described as an entire ummah, he will refuse to take this step. That even they will, will fear the reality of Qiyamah because of how angry Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be. But Allah says, 90 teaches, she teaches us through Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that only one portion of Allah's mercy do we find on earth. 99 portions are kept for that day. But nonetheless, we don't latch on to this mercy in a disrespectful way. Where we plan sin and do sin and guarantee for ourselves forgiveness. Because now that is being proud. You put yourself in a place that Allah didn't place you in. That is disrespecting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So Allah is the most merciful. And yes, Allah is the determiner. And Allah is also the just. The just. He won't treat a disbeliever as a believer. Or the one who does good as the one who doesn't. That's being unjust. So we learn from the fact that Allah starts the surah with Ar-Rahman that those who are punished, they are punished because they deserve to be punished. Tayyip. We've spoken about Ar-Rahman and its comparison to Ar-Rahim. And one thing we must say that Ar-Rahman and all the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have this reality. They are based upon scales in the Arabic language that are known as scales of mubalagha. In the English language we call this hyperbolization, meaning they stressed in terms of eloquence. Okay, and um, uh, so w- w- when we say Ar-Rahman, we mean the entirely merciful in in the, the one who is entirely merciful in the most perfect sense, perpetually. If we can try and find words to try and explain this, that he's so consistent in his perfect mercy. It spans forever because Allah is perfect for from ever. And is perfect forever. There's no reduction in the quality of perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. This is what the term uh, or any word upon the scale of fa'alan denotes. So this highlights to us the reality of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. And to be honest, our minds cannot even comprehend how perfect the nature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy is. Allah hasn't given our brain the power, the ability to understand this. And that is why in the other discussion that we have in terms of belief in Allah's names and attributes, whenever we talk about Allah's names and attributes, we affirm what Allah has affirmed without detailing the how. Because we don't have the capacity to know the how. We haven't seen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our brain doesn't have the ability to imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's no scope to start describe, get, getting into the details of the how. Then, before we leave this term Ar-Rahman, based on the scholars who say this is a Madani uh, surah, or revealed after migration to Medina, there's another discussion, and that was during the Treaty of Hudaybiyyah. When the Prophet ﷺ was asked to remove Rahman from the treaty, 
Because they said, Wama Rahman. Who is this Rahman? We only know one Rahman. Right? Suhail ibn, Am, uh, uh, ibn Amr. This is what he said. He says, we only know one Rahman. He was referring to this uh, evil person in Yamamah. Alright? So, it's as if this surah answers that circumstance. That you're asking, who, who is Rahman? Ar-Rahman. Allama al-Quran. Khalaq al-Insan. Allamahu al-Bayan. This is Rahman. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked Ali to rub it out and Ali refused. And this wasn't disrespect to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but this shows you Iman and the human beings and they felt what they felt. Then who are you? <laughs> Asking for this to be removed. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked for the position to be shown to him on the page because he, he, was, he was unlettered and they showed it to him and he rubbed it out himself. Okay, but that's a discussion for a different day, the wisdoms and benefits from this. So this surah also serves as an answer to that. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, عَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانِ عَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانِ What came first? عَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ means Allah taught the Qur'an. خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانِ Allah created mankind. But what came first? Did mankind come before the Qur'an? Or the Qur'an was, did mankind come before the revelation of the Qur'an? Or did the revelation of the Qur'an come before mankind? What's the answer to that? Very easy. I'm being specific. I didn't, I didn't talk about the Qur'an on the Lawh al-Mahfud. I said revelation of the Qur'an. Mankind came before the revelation of the Qur'an. So why does Allah highlight revelation of the Qur'an before Allah highlights mankind being created? And no doubt these are blessings. Guidance is a blessing. And being created, being brought into existence from non-existence, so you have the opportunity to enter Jannah, this is a blessing. Right? If Allah didn't create you, you, would be, you wouldn't be part of the discussion when it comes to Jannah. The fact that you exist means now you have an opportunity to earn the greatest reward. That is a blessing. But why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teach us about Allam al-Qur'an before teaching us about Khalaq al-Insan? The scholars of Tafsir say that this is a lesson from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to us that the existence of Insan means nothing if there's no guidance. Your value is in you being guided. Because if you don't have guidance, you'll go to Jahannam. What's the point? What, I mean, what value is there in that? The people of Jahannam are not worth being mentioned. Not worth being thought of. Not worth being recognized. So what worth do you have if you don't have guidance? So Allah is teaching us that yes, being created is a, is a blessing. But it's only a blessing if you guide it. Allah taught the Qur'an. Who did Allah teach the Qur'an to? He taught it to, he taught it to Jibreel alayhi salam. He taught it to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He taught it to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in some ways via Jibreel. And he taught it to us via Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he taught it to the rest of the ummah via the scholars of the Qur'an of the ummah. Right? Allah taught the Qur'an. That it's in existence until a time when Allah will lift it. More than 1400 years after it was revealed, it's recited upon agreement without change, without being lost in four corners of the globe. That is amazing. Allah taught the Quran. And some of the scholars say that in Allam al Quran is a lesson. 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught us about Him by the Qur'an and taught us how to worship Him by the Qur'an. So the blessing is that Allah revealed the Qur'an and the blessing is that Allah taught us about Him and how to behave with regards to Him by the Qur'an. فَذَكِّرْ Qur'an, As Allah says in, a, in, in, in another surah. Then remind them by the Qur'an. وَجَاهِدْهُمْ بِهِ جِهَادًا كَبِيرًا Right? Right? That uh, face them by the Qur'an. A great facing. Strive with them with the Qur'an. A great striving. And a third mention here, uh, as some scholars say, and even though it's distant, but it's, it, 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 has, uh, it has relevance. And they talk about it when, when in the Arabic language, when the Arabs would say, Ta'aleem al-ghanam, or al-baqar, right? Ta'aleem al-baqar wal-alam, Ta'aleem al-baqar wal-ghanam, when they attach this word to their animals, meaning they've marked it, it's recognized by this mark, by this sign. So it's as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying from the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that your sign is the Qur'an. Meaning you're a walking and talking Qur'an. That is your sign. And that's how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was described in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. When she was asked about the character of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa she said, kana al-Qur'an. His character is the Qur'an. What you read is what you see. So the Muslim sign is the Qur'an. They are known by the Qur'an. And Allah tells us in Surah Al-Rahman about the mujrimun, the criminals. Bisimahum, you will know them on the day of Qiyamah by their signs. The signs of the believers is the Qur'an. Subhanallah. And with regards to the Qur'an, <clears throat> that no doubt, as we've said, its revelation is, is, is a great mercy. And it's the greatest gift and it's the timeless miracle. Every miracle of every prophet was specific to their time besides Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Some miracles were specific to his time, but one miracle will last until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lifts it and that is the Qur'an. That we have this miracle with us. And we carry the legacy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa collectively. And every carrier of a legacy had a miracle that he went to his people with. So if we are collectively carrying the legacy of the Anbiya and doing the job of Muhammad wasallam, then we need our miracle. Our miracle is this Qur'an. We do this da'wah with the Qur'an. It's amazing, right? Makes you have greater iman in Allah that subhanAllah, Allah never left us. He gave Musa a stick that turned into a snake. He gave Isa the ability to give life to a bird made out of clay. He gave Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam the miracle of the moon splitting and water coming out of his fingers and he gave him the Quran and he gave his ummah who collectively carry his legacy a miracle as well to use in their da'wah and that is the Quran. Whoever reads this Quran benefits from it. Whoever memorizes it, benefits from it. Whoever listens to it, benefits from it. The best of those who learn it, the best of, the best of mankind are those who learn it and teach it. Right? خَيْرُكُمْ مَنْ تَعَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ وَعَلَّمَهُ 
The best of mankind are those who learn the Qur'an and teach it. And its family is a special family. May Allah make us from the family of Al-Qur'an. We know on the day of Qiyamah, the, the family of Al-Qur'an will have a special station and a special rank. And they'll have a Jannah just for them. For Allah will tell them to read and ascend. And their place in Jannah will be where uh, the last ayah is recited. May Allah make us from this family. And the fact that Allah mentions the Qur'an being revealed, and we've said that it's a book of guidance, immediately after he mentions Ar-Rahman, teaches us that the greatest mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ilm, and seeking knowledge. Why? Because ilm is the antidote to the misguidance that will take you far from the mercy of Allah. And Ibn Taymiyyah says that all sins, go, all sins stem from two sources. All sins in existence stem from two sources. Number one, Marad al-Shahwa. And number two, Marad al-Shubha. All sins stem from two sources. The sickness of desires and the sickness of doubts. In Arabic it's the two sheens. In English it's the two double D, the two Ds, right? Doubts and desires. Shubha and Shahwa. When a person sins, it's either they have a misconception regarding that matter. So they believe they're doing the right thing, but they're not. Or they're doing the wrong thing, but they're just following their desires. They know it's wrong, but they, they love to follow their desires. And that's why in Surah Yusuf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us that the one who, when Yusuf alayhi salam asks Allah to put him into prison, he says, if you don't put me into prison, I will be inclined to that which they called me to. Remember the women of the city were trying to do what? Get him to do haram. What does he say at the end? I might be inclined to do what they're calling me to do, Ya Allah, and I will be from amongst the ignorant. Because there's no one who knows Allah and the command of Allah and understands that command, that will sin. If you sin, you love to follow your desires so you've forgotten Allah in that moment. You're ignorant of your Lord. And if you don't love to sin, but you follow something wrong which you think is right, you have a misconception, you're ignorant about the instruction of your Lord. What is the antidote to ignorance? Ilm. And that is why the first word revealed was Iqra. Read this Quran. This is the greatest mercy that Ar-Rahman is revealing to you. Thus Ar-Rahman allam al-Quran. Khalaq al-Insan. As we said, that because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us, now we have the ability to go to Jannah. He brought us into existence and gave us a chance to enter Jannah. And some scholars have explained insan here to refer to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In tafsir, we have several citations regarding the meaning of an ayah. That doesn't mean that there's a problem with the ayah. Rather, there are several citations that complement each other. We can say that خَلَقَ insan, Allah created Muhammad. No doubt, this is a great mercy. And Allah created mankind. No doubt, this is a great mercy. All these meanings apply because one common rule with the ayat of the Qur'an is that they are hamal al-wujuh. You find the scholars mention this. They are carriers of a plethora of meanings. They are containers that carry a plethora of meanings. Meanings that complement each other but don't contradict each other. And if we say that Khalaq al-Insan refers to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then no doubt this is a great mercy. For he is the final of all messengers and prophets. 
And he is the one who will intercede for us on the day of Qiyamah. Because of his intercession, Jannah will open. Because of his, his intercession, believers will be, who are being punished in Jahannam will be removed from Jahannam and entered into paradise. And the list goes on and on and on. Right? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allamahu al-bayan. And here some scholars have explained it as Allah has taught us right from wrong. Because bayan also entails this meaning. But the more stronger opinion is that Allamahu al-bayan here refers to speech. Because this is what differentiates us with the rest of creation. And some sources say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught Adam alayhi salam 700 languages. And the base languages in existence until the day of Qiyamah will be 700. We know that languages have uh, alternations to it, but the base language will be 700. And they mention this when they discuss the ayah, وَعَلَّمَ آدَمَ الْأَسْمَاءَ كُلَّهَا When Allah tells us that Allah taught Adam all the names. He taught him all the base languages. And being able to speak is the ability to make manifest that which is in yourself. And as the Arabic poet said, إِنَّ الْكَلَامَ لَفِي الْفُؤَادِ وَإِنَّمَا He said, indeed, kalam. Kalam, speech, is in the heart. Right? وَإِنَّمَا But no doubt. What is in the heart, when it's placed on the tongue, it becomes evidence. No one can hold you accountable for that which you don't say, which is in here. But the moment it's made manifest because of your ability with bayan, it becomes evidence. And through this, we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the recitation of the Qur'an. For whoever recites a letter gets a hasana, and a hasana is, is equal to ten rewards. And the scholars say this is for the one who recites, not for the one who looks at the words and recites in his heart. He needs to have the lip movements, the tongue movement. Right? He, that's what recitation means. It can be heard. Even if it's, if it's only heard by him. But the rewards of ten are for a person who recites. Not a person who looks at the words and is reciting in his or her heart. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-alim and all knowledgeable of all that, uh, that exists. And everything that exists goes back to al-alim. When Allah says, Allamahu al-bayan, He taught him bayan. Allama has the same root as al-alim. And al-alim refers to the all knowledgeable and the one from who everything known stems from. This name of Allah Al-Alim, what does it mean? The one who knows everything, and the one because of Him, everything that is known is actually known. Does that make sense? That is what Al-Alim means, that everything that is known. Today we talk about artificial intelligence, we talk about uh, all the different technologies, right? We talk about um, all the different advancements, what mankind has been blessed to create, landing things on, on different planets. And uh, we, we, we must have heard about uh, how NASA landed this unmanned craft on Mars, right? Uh, a, a, a few weeks ago. All the ability that mankind has, this knowledge stems from Al-Anim, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he inspires it to, be, to, to, to come into existence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, Ashamsu wal qamaru bihusban. Ashams refers to the sun. And this is a blessing from the blessings of Allah. Because of the sun, we have seasons. Wal qamar, another blessing from the blessings of Allah. Because of the moon, we have months. 
and we know when we have to observe certain types of worship. Allah says, Bihusban. Bihusban means they are set on a course by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Husban. They follow a fixed course. And this is a mercy from Allah because if they didn't, and the sun distanced itself from the earth more than it was supposed to, you would be harmed, you might freeze. And if it came closer more than it was supposed to, you would be harmed because you would burn. And if they didn't run on their courses, they would crash and disaster would come to be. And if they also didn't run on their fixed course as Allah has set them, then you wouldn't know your seasons, and you wouldn't know your months, and you wouldn't have the ability to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know that we use the hilal, يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَلِ الْأَهِلَّةِ They asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about the hilal. He said that Allah has placed this for you, uh, and it's used to, to understand the beginning of the months and the end of the months. And we know when Dhul Hijjah comes in, and we know when Ramadan comes in, we know when to begin fasting, we know when to stop fasting. الشَّمْسُ وَالْقَمَرُ بِحُسْبَانِ This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. وَالنَّجْمُ وَالشَّجَرُ يَسْجُدَانِ najm, some of the scholars say, refers to a small tree. And they say, because after Allah says, وَالشَّجَرُ and الشَّجَرُ refers to a fully grown tree. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they both prostrate. They both prostrate. الشَّمْسُ they're both prostrate. But the stronger opinion is najm here refers to the stars. And a shajar refers to the trees. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about this reality in another ayah in the Quran in Surah Al-Hajj. Allah says, أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ يَسْجُدُ لَهُ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَالشَّمْسِ وَالْقَمَرِ وَالنُّجُومِ وَالْجِبَالِ وَالشَّجَرُ وَالدَّوَابِ وَكَثِيرٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Have you not seen, have you not recognized how uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the heavens, uh, or for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do the heavens prostrate? Everything in the heavens and everything on earth, والشمس and the sun, والقمر and the moon, والنجوم and the stars, والجبال and the mountains, والشجر and the trees, والدواب and all the animals that walk on the face of this earth, وكثير من الناس. Allah says, and many of the people. Allah doesn't say all of the people. Many of the people. And for many, حق عليهم العذاب. For many, Allah's punishment has been decreed upon them. So in this particular ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that a najm, the stars prostrate. Thus the stronger opinion, and Allah knows best, is najm here refers to the stars. Even though linguistically it can apply to a smaller tree. Uh, some Arabs, they say a najm when they refer to a, a, a tree that's beginning to sprout. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Also when Allah says, that he set the moon and, and the sun on a fixed course, this teaches us of how perfect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. We mustn't forget that lesson. Because this Quran is teaching us about Allah, and this is from the objectives of Surah Al-Rahman. We're not here to learn a scientific lesson of how the sun and the moon leave, even though we can benefit from the discussion. But we've got to look beyond 
beyond the apparent meaning. And if we go beyond the apparent meaning, when Allah says, وَالشَّمْسُ وَالْقَمَرُ بِحُسْبَانِ Allah is teaching us of how perfect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And when we go across the apparent meaning of النَّجَمْ وَالشَّجَرُ يَسْجُدَانِ That the stars and the trees prostrate, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us of the level of servitude and submission that exists in the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those creations that don't have a mind, those creations that can't speak, and in other ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us how they praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you just don't know, you don't understand their praising. They praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you cannot comprehend their tasbih. So understand, O servant of Allah and O child of Adam and O mankind, that Allah has honored you with speech and with a mind and with the ability to think. And act and the best posture. لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمِ We created you in the best of postures. Understand that you have all this, and there are creations of Allah that don't, but they submit to Allah in a way greater than you. How can this be? We must go beyond the meaning. Then Allah says, وَالسَّمَاءَ رَفَعَهَا وَوَضْعَ الْمِيزَانِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that. Uh, with regards to the skies and the heavens, we've lifted it. We've raised it without pillars that you can see, as Allah tells us in another ayah in the Quran. We've raised the heavens without pillars that you can see. Some scientists say today there's pillars that hold the sky up, but you can't see them. And they're known as pockets of air. These air pockets that exist where compression is at zero, they claim these to be uh, hidden pillars that hold up the heavens. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Allah tells us, we've raised the skies without pillars that you can see. It could mean with pillars that you can't see. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. But Allah says, we've raised the skies. And look how perfect the skies are raised. You see no cracks. You don't see, uh, you know, you don't see the structure, the, the structure of the sky needing renovation. Learn about how perfect your Lord is. And because we've raised the skies, things return to you. Benefits come to you. The oxygen that you can breathe at a level that's suitable for your lungs exists on earth because of how we've raised the skies. Because of how we've raised the skies, radio waves can be utilized by you to ease your communication. Subhanallah, it's because of the way Allah has raised the skies, we have radio waves in existence, and now we have satellites uh, in existence, because of the way Allah has raised the skies. Because of how we've raised the skies, water comes down to you. We know of convectional rainfall and relief rainfall, how Allah sometimes uses the mountains, and, so, and, and how Allah raises uh, water and turns it into precipitation. Because of how He's raised the skies and returns it down to earth. This is a sign of Allah and His perfection. And this is a blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to you. And Allah says, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set the borders of justice. Now some, somebody might immediately translate this as scales. But the scholars of tafsir say, Mizan here refers to the borders of justice. Knowing right from wrong. Knowing right from wrong. Allah has revealed the do's and revealed the don'ts has sent down the measure through which you will understand and realize what is right from what is wrong. And then Allah says, أَلَّا تَطْغَوْ فِي الْمِيزَانِ 
ألا تطقوا في الميزان وأقيموا الوزن بالقسط ولا تخسروا الميزان الله سبحانه وتعالى says لا تطقوا في الميزان if we say ميزان here are the borders of right and wrong Allah is saying don't cross the boundaries don't go over the boundaries of right and wrong and it's amazing in the Quran when Allah talks about halal he says تلك حدود الله فلا تعتدوها when Allah talks about halal, He says these are the boundaries of Allah. La ta'ataduha, don't cross them. Because if you cross them, you go into haram. And when He speaks of haram, He says tilka hududullahi fala taqrabuha. When He speaks of haram, He says these are the borders of Allah, don't go near it. With regards to halal, He says don't cross it. Meaning you can go to the border, but don't jump over the border. And some people want to build walls on the border. People are border jumping. <laughs> right? Don't jump the borders. When it comes to halal, when it comes to haram, don't even go near the border. Don't go near the fence. And that's why makru exists near the fence. If you enter that port, that, that territory, you're in the makru. And if you get to the fence, now you're in haram. So Allah says, Allah has laid down the guidelines of right and wrong. Don't transgress them. Then Allah says, وَأَقِيمُوا الْوَزْنَ بِالْقِصْبِ And with regards to your buying and selling, that is done via measurement, if your produce is that which is sold through measure, وَيْلُوا لِلْمُطَفِّفِينَ Don't practice tatfif. Tatfif is don't manipulate the scales. Don't cheat in your measure. And it is said that the best place to buy things through measure is in Medina. It is said that, and some of the scholars say that even uh, in, in, in Saudi Arabia, when they travel across the different regions, when they get to Medina, they say that they get the most value of, for money when they purchase in Medina. Because they deliberately add more to the scales because of Surah Al Mutafifin. Allah warns us about those who cheat on the scales. And subhanAllah, recently I was sent a picture, uh, a video in another land, we won't mention, uh, we won't name and shame. But in another land where professionally you can see them cheating on the scales. Professionally. I was absolutely shocked to see this professional misguidance being manifested. And I'm sure for those who are smiling, you've seen the video. People like this exist. Ignorance exists, right? So Allah warns us against this. وَلَا تُخْسِرُ الْمِيزَانِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala You have to stop? Please now. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says um, so establish the weight with justice and fall not short in the balance. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, It is he who has spread out the earth for his creatures. And Allah tells us this in many ayat of the Quran. That Allah has uh, spread the earth out for us and because of it we can plant, we can cultivate, we can travel. Imagine if the earth was, was bouncy, Right? Was not, didn't have flat terrain. How would we move around? How would we meet people? How would we search for sustenance? How would the animals feed? This is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon you. That He created you for this earth and He also created the earth in a way that's suitable for you as a creation. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فِيهَا فَاكِهَةٌ وَنَخْلٌ ذَاتْ الْأَكْمَامِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, therein is fruit and date palms producing uh, uh, producing 
produce that you benefit from and you get your vitamins from and you, be, you become filled from and you are healthy because of. Now obviously in the Arabic language these words are very eloquent but if I go into the Arabic details of these words and uh, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using them and what they express and how it's being expressed and so on and so forth we'll be stuck uh, on an ayah for all three hours. Wallahi. When you see the ulama going into the depth that Al-Akmam, Al-Akmam, the plural of Kum, and what's a Kum, and the different uh, linguistic uh, uh, meanings that can be extracted from Kum, and then what are the implications on the meaning of the Ayah, and so on and so forth, Wallahi, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing, MashaAllah. This is the nature of the Qur'an, I'm just giving you a tip, Wallahi, a tip of a tip of the iceberg, really. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Again, even this Ayah, scholars spent a long time just discussing these words, Al-Habb, Dhul Asf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that also corn with its leaves and stalk for fodder as well as sweet smelling plants. Rehan refers to something that gives a sweet smell but it also refers to a covering that covers something in such a way that it's pleasing for you to look at. Right? That's why some people name their daughters Rehana. And different people say, what does it mean? They come, some people say it refers to a plant. It, one of the meanings of it, it, it refers to something that's pleasing to look at. Rehan. This is going to the meaning of the reality of why it, there's a cover. And this is the depth of the Arabic language. That a cover of a particular fruit, like if corn is covered with the green covering, right? This is, the, this is a, a, a cover to it. But because it's covered, it becomes pleasing to look at. So the Arabs use these terms in this way. They look at... Uh, the reality that was created because of the covering and the meaning of the reality, they apply to the term as well. And this is from the depth of the Arabic language. Then Allah says, Which of the favors of your Lord do you deny? Which of the favors of your Lord do you deny? This is the first mention of it. After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to us all these mighty blessings, ponder over this ayah, the favors of your Lord that you deny and everything that has been shared as we go into our salah break. Just before closing off, when the Prophet ﷺ recited Surah Al-Rahman, he recited it to the jinn, and then he recited it to the, to the Sahaba. When he recited it to the jinn, every time he said, Which of the favors of your Lord do you deny? Which of the favors of your Lord, O jinn, and O mankind, do you deny? He says wasallam, that the jinn would say, We do not deny your favors. Uh, ya Allah. But when he recited it to the Sahaba, they were silent. They weren't silent because they disagreed. They were silent because they were in awe of what they were listening to. So the Prophet ﷺ said, What is wrong with you that you are silent when your brethren from the jinn spoke out? Whenever we hear the ayah, Teach yourself that you will not deny the favors of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala upon you will break here insha'Allah wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.